AMU. American Military University is proud to present In Public Safety Matters. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Jared Sadowski, and today I have the privilege to interview in our podcast, Mr. John Ponder. Mr. Ponder, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Jared, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So, Mr. Ponder is the, the president and CEO of Hope for Prisoners, and Hope for Prisoners consists of um, a team that helps previously incarcerated individuals get into reentry programs that provide long-term support services, is they help those that have been incarcerated reclaim their lives, their families, and their standing in the community. One of the things that I really admire about Hope for Prisoners is your relationships with law enforcement. From my background in law enforcement, I really admire you and what you do. So let me begin by saying thank you for everything that you do for our nation and our community. Can you please share your background with us and also your experience in how faith has changed your mindset and direction of your life while in prison? Oh, absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity. Honored to be here. A little bit about me. Uh, firstly, I, you know, I grew up the product of a single parent home. You know, dad left home at a very early age, leaving my mom to raise five knucklehead boys and one knucklehead girl all by herself. My stories as much like the stories that you hear about in urban communities, you know, growing up in that environment without the father in the home. The streets led us to the drugs, drugs led us to the gangs, gangs led us to criminal activity. And that criminal activity led me to my very first set of handcuffs at the tender age of 12 years old. And life just kind of spiraled out of control from there. And so I understand that you received a presidential pardon on August 25th, 2020. Is that correct? That is correct. And what an absolute honor it was to be pardoned by the office of the president of the United States. It's so well deserved. I admire so much what you've done and what you've done in your life and how you've helped so many other people work through the problems that have led them into incarceration and then have provided these long-term services to help individuals regain their lives. So for our audience, just to understand recidivism, recidivism is reoffending and committing another crime. According to one government website, within three years of release from prison, two out of three or 66% are rearrested and more than 50% are incarcerated. According to the Harvard Political Review, the United States has a recidivism rate as high as 76.6%. Could you please share with us how Hope for Prisoners was created and the mission and goals of Hope for Prisoners? Absolutely. So Hope for Prisoners was birthed out of my own personal experiences. You know, from that time at 12 years old, again, spiraling out of control, caught my very first felony conviction at 16 years old, didn't learn my lesson back and forth from different jail systems and prison systems until I, you know, had to spend some time in a maximum security United States federal penitentiary behind 50 foot walls. And it was at that point that I looked back over the last 37 years of my life and realized that I had not accomplished anything of great significance. You know, I wasn't the person that God created me to be. I wasn't the father that I was supposed to be to my children. So I found myself in that prison cell, and I had a conversation with God and asked God to, number one, forgive me for all the sins that I've committed. And I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life and to step in and turn my life around, and 100% he did. My life went in a 180-degree turn in the other direction. 
So while I was inside that maximum security United States federal penitentiary and trying to better my life, trying to make sure that when I step outside that gate, that I, you know, I would be leaving behind that life of destruction and drug addictions and gang affiliations. And so during that time, while I'm spending time with God and reading my Bible, God impregnated me with this vision of hope for prisoners so that we can have an opportunity to turn right back around and help all those other men and women who are in bondage to those same things that I was in bondage to, struggling with the same things that I was struggling with, and to be able to help them to escort them up to the next level of life. So I founded Hope for Prisons back in 2009 when I came home from prison. And since that time, Jared, we have had the great privilege of working with over 4,500 men and women who have been through our process. Of that 4,500 individuals who have been through our process, according to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, an unprecedented 74% of those were successful in gaining full-time employment in sustainable wage jobs. 25% of those were full-time employed within 17 days after graduating the first phase of our process. And of those men and women that we've had the privilege to work with, according to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, only 6% of those individuals returned back to the prison system. And as you alluded to, that national recidivism rate of north of 79%, saying 79% within three years, you know, they'll be back in the prison system. I think that we're at that 6%. We're knocking it out of the ballpark. But, Jared, we're always looking for ways to improve the caliber, the efficiency of what it is that we do, because our desire is not to lose anyone. That is absolutely incredible. So what do you attribute to the success of Hope for Prisoners? And how does Hope for Prisoners partner with local law enforcement to foster rehabilitation? One of the things that we found, Jared, when we're working with people from this segment of the population, and I, I speak from personal experiences, that the majority of people, they really want to change, but they have no idea how to do it. So for so long, we've been telling people from this segment of the population to complete your prison system and get back out in the community and become a productive member of society. And they have no idea what that might look like. Or we tell people from this segment of the population to, you know, go get a job and support yourself and your family. And some of us have never worked a legitimate job a day before in our life. Or we tell men to take their, come home and take their rightful positions in their home as the, as the fathers and, and the husbands that they were meant to be, but they have no healthy reference point and what that might look like. So the success of Hope for Prisons, it, it's, it's all about training and equipping people. Not only things are going to be able to help them to get a job and maintain that job, but we come alongside them and lay down the foundation that is going to help them to build up a brand new life, uh, again, with the overall goal of them never, ever, ever reoffending again. So in that intensive training, we train them intensively on things like the importance of the winning attitude, the attitude about their past, the attitude about their present condition, and how could we cultivate a winning attitude in them that's going to help carry them into a successful future. We train them very intensively on things like how to go above and beyond the call to duty inside their home, inside the workplace, and inside the community. 
We take a deep dive into understanding different personality types of the people that you're going to be interacting with. Effective communication, goal setting, time management, banking, budgeting, conflict resolution, when and how to apologize, the importance of forgiveness. And then we put a strong emphasis on leadership, teaching individuals, number one, how do you lead yourself? How do you get those results that you've always wanted to get out of life? How do you be that leader in your family? And ultimately, what does that look like for you to be a stand-up leader out in the community? Because that's the overall goal of our mission is we want to change the face of reentry. We want to change what it means to be people who have paid their debt to society and getting back out in our community and truly fighting for a second chance. The only way that we're going to be able to do that is to help to create a massive amount of people who come home from the prison system. And not only do they never reoffend again, we do whatever we can with every resource that we can to help them to live levels of life that most people only dream of. And then after that intensive training, we come alongside them for the next 18 months. See, we didn't think that it was enough to put them into this training and teach them all these incredible things of how to live their life and then launch them back out in the community by themselves. If we do that, we will waste time, effort, energy, and resources. So what we do, which is a cornerstone of our success, is for the next 18 months, we walk with them through intensive case management and mentoring to where we've trained up well over 550 men and women from our community that serves as mentors. The mentorship and why that's so important, Jared, because if you ask anybody who has ever achieved any significant level of success in life, how did you do it? How did you get to where you are in life? If that person is completely honest with you, they're going to admit that they did not get there on their own. They had people that were in their life that was guiding, directing, coaching, push, pulling, dragging, listening, and sometimes, you know, kicking in the rear end every single step of the way. So through our mentorship program of those 550 people come from a very diverse background. Now, these are pastors and leaders from churches across our valley. These are business owners and business leaders and, and school teachers from our school district to professors over at the university right down to the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, where the sheriff has given us an army of volunteer police officers that are serving as mentors. Never before in the history of reentry, nowhere on this planet to this magnitude has law enforcement gotten this involved in mentoring and training people coming home from our prison system. And to be quite honest with you, it is causing such a win-win on both sides of the equations. Because if you think about it, you know, our goal is to help men and women who have paid their debt to society get back out in the community and never reoffend again. In order for us to do that, we have to instill in them a character, a love, an appreciation for the rules and regulations of the land. And we found that that got enhanced when we brought them into relationship with the men and women who are upholding the law. And if you think about it, this partnership with law enforcement, not only is it helping men and women that are coming home, but if you flip the coin around to the other side, it's helping men and women of law enforcement begin to view men and women who are coming home who are truly fighting for a second chance. It helps them to view them from a whole nother set of lenses.
That's an amazing point. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that, that I love about Hope for Prisoners is that it's not that you're only helping them obtain employment, but instead you're providing a 360-degree opportunity for them to succeed not only in their employment, but in their personal lives. It's, uh, it's just absolutely incredible what you're doing. And I can see you know, from having a background of 20 years in law enforcement myself of why law enforcement is eager to partner with you in this because it's unheard of. It's it's absolutely incredible. And I can also, I, I really appreciate the thought of, it kind of over overcomes barriers between somebody that's formerly incarcerated and law enforcement. And it, I think it humanizes uh, the situation. And I think it's uh, it's absolutely incredible what you're doing. So thank you very, very much for what you do. Oh, it is an absolute honor. You know, on a bigger picture of it, if you take a look at what is happening in our world today and communities and the defund the police and people not liking the police, people do not trust police. And the reason why people do not trust police is because they are not in relationship with each other. And in what relationship could you ever establish trust unless there's life rubbing up against life in the spirit of complete transparency? So we understand that we have more in common than we have differences. And I believe that out of that level of transparency builds the relationship and out of that relationship, trust begins to get established. That's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Absolutely uh, incredible work. We're going to take a break. We've been talking to our guest, Mr. John Ponder. Again, the title of our podcast is Hope for Prisoners, the John Ponder story. We'll be right back. In the military, I was part of a unit that had my six. When someone has your back, you feel confident and prepared. As students of American Military University, over 60,000 veterans and active military know how important that is. With a dedicated veteran enrollment team to help me move forward with purpose, providing the right structure to ensure I gain career-relevant industry skills so I can focus on what's ahead. Now, I'm moving with authority in this next mission without looking back because American Military University has got my six. Get started today. Go to amuonline.com veterans. Hello, everybody. We're back. Welcome uh, to our discussion with Mr. John Ponder, who's the president and CEO of Hope for Prisoners. Let's get back to the conversation. So as we discuss Hope for Prisoners and rehabilitation and avoiding recidivism, we're taking a look at different ways that your organization really supports the whole person and uh, prepares them for life after incarceration. So what are some ways that that barrier can be overcome when it comes to employers providing the opportunity for formerly incarcerated individuals? That's a great question, Jerry, and thank you uh, so much for asking it. Our model at Hope for Prisoners and working with employers is that we don't believe in job placement, we believe in job partnership. So as we develop these partnerships with these employers, we let the employers know that they're not just hiring John or Jane Doe, the formerly incarcerated person. They're hiring this entire army of people with a vested interest to be with them over the next 18 months to ensure that while they're in that workplace, they're going to be above and beyond the call of duty employees. And the other thing that we've learned with employers from a business standpoint is that employers are not willing to not hire formerly incarcerated people. They're not willing to hire a liability. So when we can train and equip formerly incarcerated people to get inside that workplace so they can be a tremendous asset 
to that business or that employer instead of a liability, then that improves the probability of them getting full-time employed. You know, one of the misconceptions about formerly incarcerated people is that they're not going to work. They're not going to show up on time. They didn't get inside. They're going to steal and things of that nature. This is why it's so important that we train and equip them so that once again, when they get inside the workplace, we send them in there with a leadership mindset that they're inside this place of employment and what they do inside the workplace is going to open up the door for the next formerly incarcerated person to be able to succeed inside that place of business. If they get in there and fail, they get in and drop the ball, then not only does that slam the door for them, but we want them to be very mindful that there are other people who are looking for those second chances and that is a way for them to open up the doors for them. You can incentivize employers with on-the-job training, money, and things of that nature. But when they when they understand that it's a team of people that are there for them, that there's a captain of the gang unit, that this person's mentor, it just adds a, an extra level of accountability. And I think that that puts the employers on such a safe island. And as a result of that, Jared, right now, Hope for Prisons, we're sitting on more jobs right now than we can fill. And these are not minimum wage jobs. They're jobs where people are going to earn sustainable wages to be able to take care of themselves and be able to take care of their family. That's incredible. Thank you. Building on this discussion as a follow-up question, what are some of the most important factors that influence successful rehabilitation for current and former inmates? It's the training and it's the equipping. It is also sharing the stories of the other formerly incarcerated people that have been where they are and look at where they are today. So our success is a tribute to getting into the prison system and working with them up to 18 months prior to them being released so that we can go in and train them on things that are going to be help them to be successful in making sure that we're addressing any issues of, of substance abuse, if drugs and or alcohol has something to do with the instant offense of why you went to prison, then you need to take that assessment. And out of that assessment is going to come a treatment plan. And sometimes that treatment plan might look like one-on-one -on -one counseling while they're still in by a member of the Hope for Prison staff. Sometimes that may look like group settings. So just make sure you have those things addressed. Going in early on and exposing them to true rehabilitation and vocational training and going in and teach them HVAC, plumbing, air conditioning, CDL schools, and all these things that we're going to be able to tie directly with employment once they get released. But again, you know, once they walk out that back door, they're not being released into the community to something unknown. There's a family of Hope for Prisoners that are going to be there with them, and that helps us to create a continuum of care for the next 18 months as they get released. That's absolutely amazing how Hope for Prisoners is, is, shaping, is shaping lives. What are some of the barriers to faith-based rehabilitation programs that occur in the United States, and how can those be overcome? You know, I think that if you would ask me this question 10, 15 years ago, or even when, you know, we first got started, I would say there are significant barriers as the faith community come along to serve this segment of the population. I believe that times are changing. I know from my personal experience that, you know, faith has a huge component in helping people being successful. So you're helping to address their, their needs for housing, their transportation, their family reunification, and addressing 
that those spiritual needs because we know that the addressing those spiritual needs and adding the faith component in it is the thing that's going to help them to remain and say you know sustainable absolutely so for our audience that would like to contact your organization to learn more about your services and also can you explain how our audience could reach hope for prisoners Oh, absolutely. So the first thing is to visit our website at hopeforprisoners.org. That's www.hope4, and it's F-O-R, prisoners.org. And there's opportunities for folks to volunteer. You don't have to live in our state to become a volunteer mentor. We have this national model where we pull in mentors from all over the world to be able to pour into the life of our people. Excellent. Excellent information. And I definitely encourage everyone to reach out to Hope for Prisoners to learn more and to learn how you can get involved because you're investing in your own community. You're investing in your own country. So my final question, the podcast is going to be aired in prisons, including an international prison in Latin America. So what would you say to current inmates that have not yet found hope? Or what would you say to your former self in the past? Thank you for that opportunity. And in that, I'm going to share a story about me. When I first began my prison sentence, right, I stood before the single greatest adversity of my entire life. I have to go off now because of some crimes that I committed. I have to go spend time in a maximum security United States federal penitentiary. And Jared, I remember the day when I pulled up on that bus and those gigantic gates opened up and the bus chugged in to go into that prison. And I looked up and I saw this, the seal of that federal prison. And it said, United States Maximum Security Federal Penitentiary. But in my mind, I was determined at that point, as I looked at that sign, I changed the words on that sign. And it said, United States Learning Institution. And I went into those 50-foot walls and I went to school. I spent every waking moment of my time, number one, addressing the issues surrounding the circumstances that led to my arrest inside that environment. And I armed myself against those things never, ever happen again. I wanted to learn everything that I possibly can. And I began to prepare day one for the time I was going to walk out that back door. I used that time to get to know the real me. As I was laying on that bunk inside that prison cell and, and I looked back over the last 37 years of my life and, and realized that I hadn't accomplished anything of great significance, I began to ask myself this question as I'm feeling sick and tired of being sick and tired, knowing that I know that I know that I know that life has to be more than the last 37 years of how I've been living if somehow something was different. I began to understand the promises of this life that looked so much different from my past. I stood on every one of those promises. And I wanted to make sure that when I walked outside that gate, that I'm living a very transformed life. So if there are people in, in, in prison right now listening to my voice, I just want to encourage you that inside that environment, it could be such a fertile training ground for you. Take advantage of every bit of the time that you're there to learn and to grow and become the person 
that God has created you to be. That is very powerful. Well, you are a role model, and there's so many people that look up to you, certainly me included. Thank you so much for being such an inspiration to so many people and for having the heart and compassion that you do to show others the way. I'm honored to be your friend and to join you in this podcast today. So again, thank you very much for your time today. Oh, it is my absolute honor. God bless you. Likewise. Well, everybody, we've been speaking with Mr. John Ponder, the president and CEO of Hope for Prisoners. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. For more information about our university, visit us at amuonline.com. Thank you for listening. AMU, American Military University.